Our text and topic, or really topic this week, is as in the days of Noah and as in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. So as we've been going through this study in the book of Genesis and have read the accounts over several weeks of uh, what it was like in Noah's day and and, uh, the events that took place with the flood and as well as with Lot and the the events of Sodom and Gomorrah and leading up to it. And we'll look a little more of that again tonight. Uh, but the theme specifically is these last day events and how those two historical events foreshadow what we can expect in these last days so that we can know the day that we're living in, know the time that is at hand and be ready for it. So we have this text in Matthew 24, verse 37 as in the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know it, until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So it says that uh, they were taken away, right? What does it mean they were taken away? And who was taken away? So to get a clearer understanding, we're going to look at a parallel text in the book of Luke. It says almost exactly the same thing. So it's Luke's version of the same thing that Matthew wrote about. Just a couple little word variations, just as it would be in any conversation. Two people hear one person say something and they repeat it. It would be a little bit different, but basically the same exact thing. Except in Luke, it defines it specifically what it means that it took them all away, right? So in the time of the flood, it took them all away. In Luke chapter 17, verse 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be at the end of, at the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So who was taken away at the time of the flood? All? All who? All the wicked, correct. They took them all away, referring to the wicked, right? Not Noah on the boat being taken on a boat ride, right? But the wicked were taken out, right? They were taken away, right? You see the parallel between those two? And then the only change is just the, the wording there, the phrase there, took them all away or destroyed them all, right? So we know that the ones that were taken away were the wicked. They were taken away by being destroyed. They were taken out, right, by the flood. They drowned in the flood. So we're going to be looking through this uh, uh, sermon, uh, comparing these two chapters, primarily Matthew 24 and Luke 17, as well as these stories of Noah and of the time of Lot and to understand last day events. We'll be looking at a few other texts as well. And if you missed any of our other sermons and building up to this on the days of Noah and on the days of Lot and all the events that took place there, you can go to shalomadventure.com and in our search, just type in Noah or Lot and you'll see a list of the sermons on, on this topic. So still in Luke 17, verse 28, as it also was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, but on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed 
them all. Even so will it be and the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay, so we've looked at three texts, two regarding Noah, one from Matthew, one from Luke, and one regarding Lot from the book of Luke that says that the what will happen to the wicked on the day that the Lord returns? Be destroyed, right? He will destroy them all. Pretty clear from those three texts? Yeah, we're going to see more, but that even already is pretty clear, pretty plain words that at the coming on the day of the Son of Man is revealed when he comes at his second coming, the wicked will be destroyed. They destroyed them all just as they were all in Sodom, destroyed in the days of Lot, and just as in the days of Noah, when the flood came, they were all destroyed, taken away. So let's go to the text regarding uh, Lot. We did Noah again. It's pretty um, simple what happened there, right? It rained and they were flooded out and taken away. Not a whole lot of more evidence about the wicked people in the days of Noah. But in Lot, we have a specific description of what was going on in the city. So in Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And I guess before we get into that, from the text we already just looked at, let's go back one, it tells us what they were doing in Sodom and it tells us what they were doing in Lot's day, Noah's day as well. They were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage, building homes. And so for the most part, things were going on just as it had been all along. No seeming change, no seeming uh, identifying uh, warning specifically, at least for the wicked. But we'll see as we go on to more text, there are some very clear warnings that the word of God gives us. What happens is, is the wicked ignore those warnings and go about their business eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, building, and ignoring the warnings, okay? All right, so let's go again. So two angels show up in town. Lot invites him to his house, and the men of Sodom called to Lot and said, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. All right, so this is where we get the word sodomy from. They were wanting to practice the people of Sodom, wanting to practice sodomy against two angels who they thought were men. And we see that it was a big problem. That's the last problem we're mentioned there in the city of Sodom. Uh, and the violence that they were wanting to do and, and uh, against Lot as well, and the denial of God and the denial of his lordship and kingship. But we see that same thing's happening now today. A denial of God, a resistance to God, a resistance to his workings, a uh, violence and wickedness and sodomy on the uprise and not only uh, being done, which people can do whatever they want, but a also a forcing it and promoting it and an encouragement of it and a elevating of it to a above normal level, above what the animal kingdom does, above what is natural, and trying to force it upon people and force people who do not practice it to accept it. Just this week, in London, a 16-year-old autistic girl somehow, for some reason, was in, came in contact with a police officer 
And she said that the police officer uh, looked like a lesbian, like her Nana. The police came to our home in great number, broke into the home, came into the home. The autistic girl, young teenage girl, running in fear, hid underneath the staircase. It's all on video. Crying. The mother pleading with the police officer. She's autistic. She wasn't saying anything negative about the police officer. She said, reminds her of her nana. Her nana is a lesbian. Her nana is married to a woman. And that this lady, the police officer, reminded her of her. They did not care. They did not stop. They dragged the girl out of the house, causing pain, and arrested her. Held her at a police station for almost a full 24 hours, 20 hours, I think. And then released her on bail for saying she looks like a lesbian, like my Nana. The law in London is if you say anything that someone else might find offensive, you can say, I, I, I think your hair looked better yesterday than it does today. If they find that offensive in relation to whatever and they claim it has something to do with their sexual perversion, then you will be arrested and charged with a criminal crime. That is the day that we are living in today, in this world, in places in this world, in London, and in other places as well. As in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's miraculous. How could that be predicted in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago? <laughs> when, I mean, something like that was just totally banned and totally just, uh, you know, a, a non-public issue, you know, unknown in society, no doubt secretly, but for him to make that type of prediction, absolutely miraculous. I guess in the Roman circles, that was practiced. In Greek culture, probably, but in Jerusalem, in Israel, for Yeshua to predict that, Bible is accurate. Accurate. Even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, nothing like it is today. Still in verse, chapter 19, the angel said, we will destroy this place, get out of this place, and while he lingered, they took hold of his hand, the Lord being merciful to them, and brought them out and set them outside the city. Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay. Escape, lest you be destroyed. And the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. So as the message was going forth from these angels, Lot lingered, and God's people are lingering again today not getting the warning out, not getting the message out, not taking the signs of the times seriously and hesitating. One foot with the Lord, one foot with the world. That's a very uncomfortable position to be in. And hesitating and lingering. Not warning the world nor leaving the world. 
God calls us to escape the corruptions of this world. Come out of Babylon, my people. And again, we did a broader, longer sermon topic on that. And then the Lord rained fire and brimstone, brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. And we see the evidence of that today. And we showed you that in video and pictures. And you can come with us to Israel and see it still today. The evidence is still there. It testifies of this historical event. Matthew 24, verse 15. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies. Pray that your flight not be in the winter nor on the Sabbath. So regarding the last days, Yeshua gave a prophecy, a dual prophecy, one regarding the destruction of Jerusalem that would come about 40 years after he made this prophecy, a little less than that, and what would mirror and foreshadow the last days that we're living in. And so while the world is eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, God gives us a warning when you see the abomination spoken of desolation spoken of by Daniel. And we went into detail of exactly what that is so that we can know the time we're living in. We can know what that is and know the sign when it appears for these last days in a whole series that we did on the book of Daniel. And again, that's available on shalomadventure.com. So we don't have time to go into details of it here now. But in 70 AD, when the Roman armies brought their banners, brought their signatures into God's holy place among God's people, it was a sign to believers, this is the moment we need to get out, and they fled. And Yeshua encouraged them to flee. And that it would be difficult if they were pregnant or nursing children. So again, while the world is eating and drinking, for God's people, it will be a difficult time, and there will be a time where we will have to flee for our lives. They will kill us thinking they are doing God's service, the Bible tells us. Persecution will come to God's people just as it has since the beginning of time, since Abel and Cain until today. He says, pray that your flight not be in the winter, be more difficult in the winter. Thankfully, it wasn't. Or on the Sabbath day. So obviously Yeshua was expecting us to continue to keep the Sabbath another 40 years and another 2,000 years until he comes. Or he wouldn't have told us, don't pray that, pray that it would not be in the, sab- on the winter or on the Sabbath. So we're not having to desecrate the Sabbath and make things more difficult in having to flee at that time. So there will be signs and the signs are at hand. Still Matthew 24, verse 21 There will be great tribulation such as has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So a time of trouble, a time of difficulty, a time of trial will take place in the world. In these last days, great tribulation, such as has never been seen. We've seen some 
horrible things in this world, horrible atrocities, horrible massacres in many different places, and the Holocaust, and uh, Rwanda, and in Korea, and in Vietnam, and in China, many places in the world, and down through the ages, horrible, horrible things done by Rome and done by many kingdoms and many powers down through the ages. But all of those took place on a local level. Sometimes very broad areas, but this final one will be universal as far as this world, not in the whole universe. God has contained it to this planet. It began universal in heaven, and God has limited it to this planet, but it'll be worldwide all at one time. Now, when Yeshua made this prediction, was it impossible for there to no flesh to survive? Is there anything that could have been done in Yeshua's day that all at one time no flesh would survive? Could there have been a war of any kind that at the end of it no flesh would survive? No. With swords, I mean, one guy's got to at least be left, right? <laughs> Unless he commits, Harry Carey commits suicide. I mean, there's always going to be at least one. I mean, there were plenty of wars and none of them have ever killed of everybody. Is it possible today? Within a day? That everyone on the planet be dead by morning? Yes. The Bible is accurate. For Yeshua to make a prediction like that at that time and would not be possible for another 1990 years or so is absolutely miraculous. But God's word is accurate. And just as it's accurate on these things, it will give us guidance into these last days. We can trust God's word and we can trust him. We're already seeing the results, how all nations of the earth unite together in a proclamation together. Every nation, all doing the same thing at the same time. Unheard of in our history, never before. Again, just this week, it was reported that in Canada, doctors under the age of 30 are died this past year at an increased rate of 1,110%. Brown. That's it. Also, insurance companies are saying that people between the ages of 35 and 40-something have an increased death rate in just the last, the end of 2022, the last quarter of 2022, long after the man-made China plague increased 34%. Young working age people. Also just this week, another pilot dropped dead in the middle of flight. And his assistant pilot, a plane that left out of Miami, his assistant pilot had to do an emergency landing. And another pilot on another plane passed out, sick. Also one day this week, another two, five? <laughs> yes, it's happening. I mean, I'm just talking about this one day uh, this week. 
Uh, also, one day this week, another two athletes, an Olympic paddle boater. It's a dangerous profession. Healthy as could be, dropped dead in her sleep. Football player. Now retired, dropped dead. Multitudes, healthy people, dropping dead. It's even a term that we've created for it. Sudden adult death. Syndrome, yeah. Days that we're living in. Worldwide. Just this week, an elderly man in his 70s, late 70s, I believe, overweight, needed a cane to walk, didn't leave his house much, was not very mobile at all. Neighbors all considered him friendly and nice. They wrote some very nasty things online regarding the person who's sitting in the White House, threatening him. writing some things about the FBI on social media. But obviously no way possible to fulfill those comments typed in to a computer. The FBI showed up at his home, busted down his door, raided his home, and shot him dead. That shot on her hands. They didn't know that he was basically immobile and incapacitated and no way could have gotten out of his house far enough to get anywhere near Joe Biden to cause any credible threat. They couldn't have de-escalated it in some way, shape, or form. There wouldn't be a confrontation in the middle of the night scaring the guy. These are the days we're losing in. We've seen nothing yet. I think of the atrocities that have taken place in this world and it's going to be worse than ever before. A great tribulation such as has never been since the beginning of time. Now we have nothing to fear because God has seen us through all these others, many martyrs down through the ages. But death is not the end. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. God will give endurance to his people to have faith to the end. And in martyrdom, we just, God's word spreads even better. God's word is true. God will see us through it. Certainly living in the days when if he does not cut it short, no flesh will survive. But for the elect's sake, he will cut it short in righteousness. He will not let humanity destroy itself. That's his job and his alone to enact justice and judgment in the earth. Luke chapter 17, verse 31. In that day, he who is on his housetops and his goods are in the house, let him not come down and take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Now, I don't necessarily know if it's, this is meant 
literally that it's going to be a day that we should wait until the day and then we're out in the field and then we should just take off or up on a roof and just take off. Or God's giving us warnings that we need to be ready and prepared and be coming mentally and spiritually out of the things of this world and yet ready at a moment's notice to flee to safer places out of, no doubt, the wicked cities that are getting worse and worse all the time. And if you'd like uh, to know where I got those news things, email me afterwards and I'll be happy to share them with you. Back to Matthew 24, verse 40. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. One will be taken, the other left. Where is taken, where is left? Where should we go to find out? Scriptures, of course, right? So one will be taken, the other left. Matthew 24, in Matthew 24, verse 37, as in the days of Noah, Worse, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. So one will be taken, one will be left. Where is the taken one taken? We read this already, didn't we? Let's go back to Luke. As in the days of Lot, so also they ate, they drank, they brought, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is taken. So the one that's taken, where will he be taken? Fire, taken out, destroyed, right? That's the interchangeable word, destroyed. Still in Lot, uh, the book of Luke now, again, the parallel to what we read in Matthew. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left, right? Almost word for word what we just read out of Matthew, right? The only difference is Luke adds verse 37. They said to him, where, Lord? That's not in the book of Matthew. But Luke includes this. Matthew must have forgotten it, whatever. <laughs> but Luke includes it. They said to him, where, Lord? Where what? What is he talking about? Where were the disciples talking about? What were they asking Yeshua? Where? What, where in reference to who? Who are they asking where about? Where they're taken, obviously, right? Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. Where, Lord? <laughs> right? And where will one left? Okay. What does the rest of the verse say? How many have ever read Luke chapter 17 before in your life? Looks like most. Okay, good. So tell me, tell us all, where, what's it, where, where are they taken? What's it say? Close. Good try anyway. Let's try this again. How, how many have read the book of Luke? <laughs> okay. So what does the rest of the text say? <laughs> they said to him, where, Lord? Right? One will be taken, the other left. They said to him, where, Lord? All right, I'll have to give you the answer. 
Any more? One more chance? Going, going, going. So he said to them, wherever the body is, there the vultures will be gathered together. And where are the vultures? Where do you find vultures? With dead things. <laughs> right. Whether it's in the street or in your backyard or wherever it is. If there's a dead thing, if there's vultures there, that means there's a dead thing there. Right? Vultures don't get together just for parties. Right? They gather together when they're eating a dead thing together and fighting over it. Right? So he says, where the vultures are gathered, that's where they're going to be. So where are the ones that are taken? They're dead. Right? They get killed. Just as in the days of Noah, just as in the days of Lot. Is this too complicated? Is this a pretty clear plane? Yeshua makes it pretty plain, doesn't it? God's word makes it very plain. Let's look at some other text along the same line. Psalm 97, verse 3. Fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. The Lord's Fire, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. The Lord will consume with the breath of his nostrils and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Right? So we saw this destroy. Right? In Matthew, it said they would be destroyed. In Luke, it said they would be destroyed. Here he uses the same thing. They will be destroyed. When will they be destroyed? At his coming. Right? By the brightness of his coming. As in the days of Lot, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. They were destroyed. And they will be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. They will be consumed with the breath of his mouth. Psalm 97, verse 5. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. When do the mountains, when do the mountains melt? At the presence of the Lord. It says it twice even so we don't miss it. At the presence of the Lord, at the coming of the Lord, the second advent of the Lord, the mountains will melt. And then similarly, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, just like Psalm 97. The mountains melt, the elements melt, Everything is on fire. Everything is dissolved. And when? When are they dissolved? At the coming of the day of God. Right? When he comes. He dissolves it all. He melts it all away. Because that's what he does to the wicked. That's what he does to those who are taken out. What happens to those that are left standing? What happens to those who are left remaining? What happened to Noah? What happened to Lot? They persevered. They survived. And they were taken to a safe place. Lot was taken to the cave. Noah was placed on the ark. Taken to a safe place. See what it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the shofar of God, and the dead in Messiah shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain, stayed, or alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
Right? The great resurrection day. This is, and when is this taking place? At the coming of the Lord. Right? He descends from heaven with a shout. This is at his presence. And so at his presence, he's coming to the wicked. He's a destroying fire. They are consumed. They are destroyed. They are burned up. The vultures gather around them symbolically and eat them up. They're dead. And those, those who were taken, taken out. And those who are left remaining, those who remain, those who are left, those who are still standing at the end, <laughs> they get caught up and taken together with them, with the angels and the resurrected dead in the Lord at the resurrection, the first resurrection, and taken up to meet the Lord where? In the air, in Waco, Texas. In Jerusalem, in New York City, where? In the air, in the air. Pretty clear words, right? There's not symbolism here. It's pretty plain words in these texts we're looking at. So simultaneously, the wicked are destroyed and the righteous are saved. Is that how it was in the days of Noah? Yes. Was that how it was in the days of Lot? Yes. And so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Let's look at some more examples. Well, before I get to that, let's, this resurrection, the coming of the Lord. So it's going to be a great time. Can't wait for that. When our loved ones who've died in the Lord will get to see again. We mentioned John earlier. Can't wait to see him again. See those who've served the Lord, who've given their hearts to him who've accepted his sacrifice in their behalf, who've been cleansed by the blood of Yeshua, who've had their sins washed away, and have been transformed in mind and heart, will be transformed in body at the coming of the Lord, and they will be resurrected. God will bring his judgment upon the wicked. They're doing evil things right now. They've been doing evil things for 6,000 years. And it's going to get worse and their evil is going to get worse. But God will judge them. God will hold them to account. God will bring fire upon them. And God will take care of those who martyrs down through the ages who've died serving the Lord. Who died waiting for the Lord. Who died in witnessing for the Lord and sharing God's glory and God's goodness. The reward will come. At the presence of the Lord, he will come back with his rewards. And to the wicked, he will give their rewards. The wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life in Yeshua the Messiah. And so again, simultaneously, he'll give death to the wicked. He will deal with them once and for all and for all eternity. And he will resurrect his righteous ones. And he'll take those who are alive and remain, those who go through this time of trouble such as the world has never seen, those who go through that persecution, those who go through the trial and hold fast in faith, who have their sins removed and cleansed through the power and blood, who are made spotless by the power and blood of the Lord. Through the trials and through their testimony, they are made white and clean and no guile in their mouth and stand against the powers of this world stand against all the nations of the world, stand against all the threats of this world, stand even to death and love not their lives unto death and make it to the end. We'll see the Lord coming in glory. Oh, what a sight that will be. See him coming with all of his heavenly angels. See the heavens roll back like a scroll. To see the righteous 
saints come up out of the grave, go to a cemetery, right? So then that day, <laughs> run to a cemetery, you want to see it, you don't want to miss it like popcorn coming up out of the ground. The righteous in new bodies coming up out of the ground, the angels coming down and grabbing a hold of you and grabbing a hold of a loved one and taking us up to meet the Lord in the air in the clouds to see him and be with him. And then from there, he will take us to the mansions that he's preparing for us so that where he is, we will be also. That's what it's all about. God will deal. God will take care of it once and for all. That is our hope. That is what we look forward to. And we know for a surety that that will happen just as he laid it out because he's right about all the other things. He's been right all along. Been right that it would be like in the days of Noah. He was right that it would be like in the days of Lot. And it is. He's right. He's always right. And we can trust him. We can trust his word. And he will take us through no matter how difficult it gets. No matter how trying it gets. If they did it to Yeshua, how much more will they do it to us? If they did that in a green tree, how much will they do it in a dry time? How much worse will the fires burn in the time of a dry time, dry time that's coming upon this earth, famines, floods, because of human stupidity, violence acted, no justice, no protection except from the Lord, because of human stupidity and wickedness. God will see his people through, whether through martyrdom or Till the end, through miraculous protection, God will see us through. Hold on and sit tight. Come out of Babylon. So let's look at some other analogies in, Ma in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. So again, parallel to Matthew. This is what Matthew was talking about. He talks about the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. He talked about a time of trouble. Daniel spoke about a time of trouble. So again, to understand that fully, read the book of Daniel. Those of you want Commentary on me, the sermons on a whole series on the whole book of Daniel and Revelation. You can see that again, shalomadventure.com. But at that time, look up through that time. Look up when it gets tight. Look up when it gets hot. Look up when it gets bad. Look up when it gets tough. Because our redemption draweth not. He will deliver his people as he has in the past. Again, sometimes he delivers us through martyrdom and death, and that's okay. And they're the ones who get it easy. They're the lucky ones. But the ones that get to see Yeshua coming in the clouds, they are the fortunate one. And he will deliver us. But often, again, as history has shown in the past, he delivers at the last minute. At the last second. And the Egyptian armies are bearing down and we're stuck between the river and, the, and the, the, the sea and the mountains. And we're thrown into the lion's den. When we're thrown into the fiery furnace, that's when he steps in. Not before. 
Not outside the fiery furnace. Not outside the lion's den. Through the trial. Not before the plagues came on Egypt. After the plagues came on Egypt. He sees us through the times of trouble. Always has. And always will till the end. No easy way out. Be written in the book. Make sure your names are in the book. God's book of life. Make sure our records are covered by the blood of Messiah, that everything is confessed, everything is forgiven, everything is washed clean, everything has gotten victory over by the power and blood of Yeshua, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Accept his mercy, accept his grace, accept his power to work in your life, to transform you now, to be sealed in that book. And make sure that your name is not blotted out of it. Allow God to search you and try you and see if there be any wicked way in you now, today, while it is easy, while we have peace and work now, witness now, while it is peace because a time is coming when darkness will come and it will not be easy to work, when we will not be able to work. Work while it is day, for night is coming. And it's coming quickly. Have you been watching the clock, but it's speeding up. It's running a lot faster now than it has ever before. The dial is moving. It's going to keep moving. It's going to get faster and faster until it takes off like a helicopter. For those who have old clocks, <laughs> they go around in a circle. But it is rapidly increasing the rate because the devil knows his time is short. As he's going around as a roaring lion, but he's a toothless lion seeking whom he may devour. Make sure he has no foothold in you. No reason to hold against you. Again, that your record has been covered in the blood of Messiah. That everything is confessed. And no tongue, no word spoken against you shall prosper. No accusation will be able to hold against you in that day. Again, stand like a Daniel. Be like a Daniel. Be like a Noah. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a sheep divides his sheep from the goats. The king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he will say to those on the left, Depart from me. And they will burn them up. Simultaneously, sheep and goats. Salvation to the righteous, destruction to the wicked. Just like Noah, just like Lot. Just like we read in Thessalonians. Matthew 13, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the goods into vessels, but threw the bad ones away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into 
the furnace of fire. So God's word goes forth. God's word, as God has called us to take this gospel to the world. And when this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end shall come. Spread the net out, cast the net out, get the word out. Stand on street corners with signs, take the cards and pass them out, mail them out, send them out. Friend sends out, the, I guess she sends her bills through checks, maybe still through 18 things a week she sends. She told, a month she told me she mails out and she puts cards in them. Find some way, a, bill, a, bumper, a bumper sticker on your car. Find some way, shirts, hats, some way. Get the word of God out there. Yes, with good deeds. Yes, with loving kindness. But it's got to be more than just good deeds and loving kindness. It's got to be words as well. It's got to be the word of God and truth as well. Get the gospel out there. And as it goes forth, broad net, inviting all to come, whosoever should accept the Lord. Whosoever shall not perish. Whosoever, open invitation to all, except the Messiah. But as that broad message goes out to all the world, God uses us. Some will accept, some will not. Some will profess to accept and jump into the net. But in the judgment, God will separate the two. And those who are there with a form of godliness, but denying the power to be transformed in heart and in mind, that we cast into the fiery furnace. How about another analogy? Ready for another one? Matthew 13, verse 30. In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. Now in the fish, it said the good fish were taken first. In this one, it says the tares are gathered first. Which one is right? How can they both be right? Well, it's talking about the same time. It's talking about the Lord's coming because they're happening simultaneously. And you only got one mouth, so you can only mention one at a time. But simultaneously, it's taking place. Simultaneously, at the brightness of the coming of the Lord, the wicked are destroyed and the righteous are spared and taken to heaven to meet the Lord in the air. Just like the fish, just like the wheat and the tare, just like the sheep and the goats. Just like in the days of Noah, just like in the days of Lot. Through historical accounts, through parables, through analogies, through plain descriptions, God has said this over and over and over again so that we shouldn't miss it. So that we can know the time is at hand. So at the time of the harvest, that is coming. Gathering time. The tares, the wicked, will be gathered in bundles and burned. But gather the wheat into my barn, into the ark, into the cave, into the new Jerusalem, into God's home. Simultaneously at the coming of the Lord.
We see that clearly over and over and over again. In all these texts that we read, and we read almost all of Matthew 24, almost all of Luke 17, and all these parables and illustrations that the Lord's given us, did anyone see any mention of three and a half years after? Anyone see seven years after? Anyone see that? Did I miss it? Did I jump over the, that the verse? It's not there. At the coming of the Lord, the sheep and the goats are separated. The wheat and the tares are separated. The good fish and the unclean fish are separated. The wicked and the righteous are separated. The Noahs and the antediluvians are separated. The Lot and Sodomites are separated. And the wicked are destroyed and the righteous are preserved simultaneously. No second chance, no more three and a half years, no more seven years. It's just not there anywhere in the Bible. So who would want us to think that you'll get a second chance? You don't have to take it seriously. You don't have to leave the city right now. Wait till the others leave and then you'll have another three and a half years. It'll be difficult. You'll have another seven years, another 14, whatever they want to say. You'll have another chance. You'll have a second chance. The evil one is right. The devil is the one who wants us to think we'll have a second chance. No, there'll be no second chance. At the coming of the Lord, it's over. The wicked will be destroyed and the righteous will be taken to meet the Lord in the air. The devil knows our human nature wants to put things off. Put it off, put it off, whether whatever it is, cleaning the garage, doing your taxes, whatever it is. We put it off, we put it off. And the devil knows if he can get us to believe that we'll have another chance. There'll be more signs. There'll be more evidence. There'll be a time where, where it'll be clear as day and we'll have another chance. People will put it off. And that's a lie of the devil. It's not. In the historical accounts that God has given us as examples, it's not in the parables Yeshua gave us and he gave us multiple ones. It's not in the clear text that Paul wrote. It's not there. The devil has deceived people with his lies. But God has made it clear in these accounts and in these chapters and in these illustrations so that we would not be deceived, that we would know the time is at hand, that we would be ready, that we would not linger, that we would not hinder, that we would get out now out of the world, out of sin, now, that we would take God's word serious now, that we would spread the gospel now, that we would warn the world now. I've heard of stories of people leaving a Bible in, in, a, in a note in a drawer that, oh, when I'm not here anymore, my loved one will read it and then they'll come to the Lord and accept it. It will be too late. My loved one will be dead. The vultures will be eating them up. They'll be burned crispy critters be destroyed, be taken out. Now is the time to warn the world. There will be no second chance. And when this time of trouble comes and people's hearts are hardened 
and they're eating and drinking and marrying and giving marriage and see no need of the Lord, it'll be very hard to convince them then. So not only at the Lord's coming, it's finally over, it's no second chance, even some time before that, there'll be a time where every heart, those who, um, those who are unclean will remain unclean still, and those who are righteous will remain righteous still. The wheat and the tares will be separated. The sheep and the goat will be separated. Now is the time to get ready. Be ready. Surrender your heart to the Lord and be right with him and bring others to heaven with you. And so as we prepare in a moment to pray, God is revealing to you some area in your life that's not right with the Lord. Maybe just one area. Get it right now, tonight, with the Lord. Surrender to Him. Accept His mercy and His grace while there is still time. Allow Him to cleanse you completely and fully because like leaven a little bit they kept there will just permeate and spread and when the times get tougher and tougher it will spread further and further and be harder and harder to give up now tonight as you hear his voice harden not your heart surrender all anything anything between you and god anything between you and anyone else get it right with the lord and surrender it because he's coming and he's coming soon Ready or not, here he comes. Secondly, God's impressing on your mind someone who needs to know the Lord. We pray you can present them before the Lord and ask God to work circumstances, situations, to work upon their heart and mind and to use you in some way, shape, or form, if that's his will, in helping them to know the Lord be fully surrendered to him. Third, if prior to reading these texts and renewing these texts, you were of the mind that there'll be another chance, there'll be a second chance, there'll be another three and a half years, there'll be another seven years. It's not the end at the end. But now you see clearly from these words and you want God to Straighten your thinking out. It's not just hearing one time that changes it. The devil has been seeping that lie over and over and over and over again in movies and in books and all kinds of things for a long period of time. It's going to take the power of the Lord to break that and for truth to be instilled permanently and securely in your mind. And so if you were of different thought regarding what you saw from the text on the screen tonight, you want God to solidify that in your mind, his truth, and to remove the error out. And in a moment when we pray, let God do that. Because that one error has a lot of other errors with it that are attached with it as well. Nothing stands alone. But if you want God to start rooting that out, in a moment when we pray, ask God to cleanse your mind of that past thinking. For God to give you an urgency for the time at hand 
and clear thinking for God's word and God's truth alone to be in your heart and mind. If there's any area, other area in your life, if God's brought to mind maybe some loved one who has departed in the Lord, who's resting in the Lord, you want to make sure that you see him, that your life is right. Maybe you've been fearful of the time of trouble. You want to surrender those fears so you'll be able to endure to the end. So you'll be able to see that loved one whose records are sealed, but you want to be sealed also. You want to be preserved. You want to be held fast by the Lord and preserved to the end. And if it's God's will to see you to the end, that he gives you the strength and the courage to do so. Now it's the time to be able to forgive people. God has not given us the ability, if we have not allowed God to give us the ability to forgive people, now, wait till literally all hell breaks loose. And we are persecuted on every side by everyone. The Bible says that children will rebel against parents and parents against children and siblings against each other. Friends for many years will turn on each other like a Judas. They'll turn on you like kissing you. Betray you with a kiss. We have not learned and experienced the power to forgive others now. Be much harder than. And so if you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, so you will not be shaken, so that you will be able to stand, that you will be able to endure by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony and make it to the very end through that time without fear, courage, with strength, with power, with boldness, to stand up against the pharaohs, to stand up against the Caiaphases and the Caesars, to stand and not yield. You can outlaw it. You can condemn me. You can imprison me by God's power and by God's strength. We must obey God rather than men. If you want to stand like a Paul, stand like an Esther, stand through the time, stand like a Hananiah, Mishael, and and Abednego, no, um, Azariah, and ask for the Holy Spirit to empower you. Not in our own strength. We will fall time and time again in our own strength. But in the power of the Lord, he will keep us from falling and present you spotless before his throne of grace. Without wrinkle, without blame, without God. If you want that power to stand, then let us kneel, if you're able, before the Lord. And so if you want to be able to stand in that day, we start by kneeling now. And so if you want to kneel with me for the Lord in prayer, let God do his work.
our Lord, our King, our Savior, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for these examples from your word. Thank you for your mercy towards the people in Noah's day, giving them 120 years, warning after warning, animals going into the ark. Thank you, your mercy to Lot's day, giving them Abraham, delivering them from in war, forgiving them Lot, forgiving them two angels, forgiving them signs of blindness. Thank you for warning us in these days. Thank you for giving us signs. Thank you for giving us your spirit, convicting us and drawing us. Thank you for giving us your truth. Forgive us for our hesitancy. Forgive us for our lingering in the world. Forgive us for our attachments to this world. Forgive us for our attachment to sin. Forgive us for standing in our own strength. Forgive us for false doctrines and confused ideas, doctrines of devils. In the name and power of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You have no right over us anymore. Lord God, fill our minds with the way, the truth, and the life. Let this mind be in us that was in Yeshua, the Messiah. Give us your heart. Give us your passion. Give us your burden for the lost. Give us a boldness and strength to go forth and to warn the world now. Use us by your power and your grace. Hold us fast. Give us the ability and the strength to bust open the gates of hell, to set forth the captives there by your word. Give us the power to endure to the end, relying on your strength relying on your sacrifice. Fill us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Convict us of sins in our life and cleanse us of every unrighteousness. And fill us with your righteousness. Cover us and clothe us in your righteousness. Cover us and gird us in your armor and give us the ability to stand and to stand for you. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.